0: Chapter 15 of Callista by John Henry Newman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Visitation. The Plague of Locusts, one of the most awful visitations to which the countries included in the Roman Empire were exposed, extended from the Atlantic to Ethiopia, from Arabia to India, and from the Nile and Red Sea to Greece and the north of Asia Minor instances are recorded in history of clouds of the devastating insect crossing the black sea to poland and the mediterranean to lombardy it is as numerous in its species as it is wide in its range of territory brood follows brood with a sort of family likeness yet with distinct attributes as we read in the prophets of the old testament from whom bochart tells us it is possible to enumerate as many as ten kinds it wakens into existence and activity as early as the month of march but instances are not wanting as in our present history of its appearance as late as june even one flight comprises myriads upon myriads passing imagination to which the drops of rain or the sands of the sea are the only fit comparison and hence it is almost a proverbial mode of expression in the east as may be illustrated by the sacred pages to which we just now referred by way of describing a vast invading army to liken it to the locusts so dense are they when upon the wing that it is no exaggeration to say that they hide the sun from which circumstance indeed their name in arabic is derived and so ubiquitous are they when they have alighted on the earth that they simply cover or clothe its surface This last characteristic is stated in the sacred account of the plagues of Egypt, where their faculty of devastation is also mentioned. The corrupting fly and the bruising and prostrating hail had preceded them in that series of visitations, but they came to do the work of ruin more thoroughly, for not only the crops and fruits, but the foliage of the forest itself." nay the small twigs and the bark of the trees are the victims of their curious and energetic rapacity they have been known even to gnaw the door-posts of the houses nor do they execute their task in so slovenly a way that as they have succeeded other plagues so they may have successors themselves they take pains to spoil what they leave like the harpies they smear every thing that they touch with a miserable slime which has the effect of a virus in corroding or as some say in scorching and burning it and then as if all this were little when they can do nothing else they die as if out of sheer malevolence to man for the poisonous elements of their nature are then let loose and dispersed abroad and create a pestilence and they manage to destroy many more by their death than in their life such are the locusts whose existence the ancient heretics brought forward as their palmary proof that there was an evil creator and of whom an arabian writer shows his national horror when he says that they have the head of a horse the eyes of an elephant the neck of a bull the horns of a stag the breast of a lion the belly of a scorpion the wings of an eagle the legs of a camel the feet of an ostrich and the tail of a serpent and now they are rushing upon a considerable tract of that beautiful region of which we have spoken with such admiration the swarm to which juba pointed grew and grew till it became a compact body as much as a furlong square yet it was but the vanguard of a series of similar hosts formed one after another out of the hot mould or sand rising into the air like clouds enlarging into a dusky canopy and then discharged against the fruitful plain at length the huge, innumerous mass was put into motion, and began its career, darkening the face of day. As became an instrument of divine power, it seemed to have no volition of its own. It was set off, it drifted with the wind, and thus made northwards, straight for Sicca. Thus they advanced, host after host, for a time wafted on the air, and gradually declining to the earth while fresh broods were carried over the first and neared the earth after a longer flight in their turn for twelve miles did they extend from front to rear and their whizzing and hissing could be heard for six miles on every side of them the bright sun though hidden by them illumined their bodies and was reflected from their quivering wings and as they heavily fell earthward they seemed like the innumerable flakes of a yellow-colored snow and like snow did they descend a living carpet or rather pall upon fields crops gardens copses groves orchards vineyards olive woods orangeries palm plantations and the deep forests sparing nothing within their reach And where there was nothing to devour, lying helpless in drifts, or crawling forward obstinately as best they might, with the hope of prey, they could spare their hundred thousand soldiers, twice or thrice over, and not miss them. Their masses filled the bottoms of the ravines and hollow ways, impeding the traveller as he rode forward on his journey, and trampled by thousands under his horse-hoofs in vain was all this overthrow and waste by the roadside in vain their loss in river pool and watercourse the poor peasants hastily dug pits and trenches as their enemy came on in vain they filled them from the wells or with lighted stubble heavily and thickly did the locusts fall they were lavish of their lives they choked the flame and the water which destroyed them the while and the vast living hostile armament still moved on They moved right on like soldiers in their ranks, stopping at nothing and straggling for nothing. They carried a broad furrow, or wheel all across the country, black and loathsome, while it was as green and smiling on each side of them and in front as it had been before they came. Before them, in the language of prophets, was a paradise, and behind them a desert. They are daunted by nothing, they surmount walls and hedges and enter closed gardens or inhabited houses a rare and experimental vineyard has been planted in a sheltered grove the high winds of africa will not commonly allow the light trellis or the slim pole but here the lofty poplar of campania has been possible on which the vine-plant mounts so many yards into the air that the poor grape-gatherers bargain for a funeral pile and a tomb as one of the conditions of their engagement the locusts have done what the winds and lightning could not do and the whole promise of the vintage leaves and all is gone and the slender stems are left bare there is another yard less uncommon but still tended with more than common care each plant is kept within due bounds by a circular trench round it and by upright canes on which it is to trail in an hour the solicitude and long toil of the vine-dresser are lost and his pride humbled there is a smiling farm another sort of vine of remarkable character is found against the farmhouse this vine springs from one root and has clothed and matted with its many branches the four walls the whole of it is covered thick with long clusters which another month will ripen on every grape and leaf there is a locust Into the dry caves and pits, carefully strewed with straw, the harvestmen have, safely as they thought just now, been lodging the far famed African wheat. One grain or root shoots up into ten, twenty, fifty, eighty, nay three or four hundred stalks. Sometimes the stalks have two ears apiece, and these again shoot into a number of lesser ones. These stores are intended for the Roman populace but the locusts have been beforehand with them the small patches of ground belonging to the poor peasants up and down the country for raising the turnips garlic barley watermelons on which they live are the prey of these glutton invaders as much as the choicest vines and olives nor have they any reverence for the villa of the civic decurion or the roman official The neatly arranged kitchen-garden with its cherries plums peaches and apricots is a waste as the slaves sit round in the kitchen in the first court at their coarse evening meal the room is filled with the invading force the news comes to them that the enemy has fallen upon the apples and pears in the basement and is at the same time plundering and sacking the preserves of quince and pomegranate and revelling in the jars of precious oil of cypress and mendes in the store-rooms they come up to the walls of sicca and are flung against them into the ditch not a moment's hesitation or delay they recover their footing they climb up the wood or stucco they surmount the parapet or they have entered in at the windows filling the apartments and the most private and luxurious chambers not one or two like stragglers at forage or rioters after a victory but in order of battle and with the array of an army choice plants or flowers about the impluvia and cisti, for ornament or refreshment myrtles oranges pomegranates the rose and the carnation have disappeared they dim the bright marbles of the walls and the gilding of the ceilings they enter the triclinium in the midst of the banquet they crawl over the viands and spoil what they do not devour unrelaxed by success and by enjoyment onward they go a secret mysterious instinct keeps them together as if they had a king over them they move along the floor in so strange an order that they seem to be a tessellated pavement themselves and to be the artificial embellishment of the place so true are their lines and so perfect is the pattern they describe onward they go to the market to the temple sacrifices to the baker's stores to the cook-shops to the confectioners to the druggists nothing comes amiss to them wherever man has aught to eat or drink there are they reckless of death strong of appetite certain of conquest they have passed on the men of sicca sadly congratulate themselves and begin to look about them and to sum up their losses being the proprietors of the neighboring districts or the purchasers of its produce they lament over the devastation not because the fair country is disfigured but because income is becoming scanty and prices are becoming high how is a population of many thousands to be fed where is the grain where the melons the figs the dates the gourds the beans the grapes to sustain and solace the multitudes in their lanes caverns and garrets this is another weighty consideration for the class well to do in the world the taxes too and contributions the capitation tax the percentage upon corn the various articles of revenues due to rome how are they to be paid how are cattle to be provided for the sacrifices and for the tables of the wealthy one half at least of the supply of sicca is cut off no longer slaves are seen coming into the city from the country in troops with their baskets on their shoulders or beating forward the horse or mule or ox overladen with its burden or driving in the dangerous cow or the unresisting sheep the animation of the place is gone a gloom hangs over the forum And if its frequenters are still merry, there is something of sullenness and recklessness in their mirth. The gods have given the city up. Something or other has angered them. Locusts, indeed, are no uncommon visitation, but at an earlier season. Perhaps some temple has been polluted, or some unholy rite practiced, or some secret conspiracy has spread another and a still worse calamity the invaders as we have already intimated could be more terrible still in their overthrow than in their ravages the inhabitants of the country had attempted where they could to destroy them by fire and water it would seem as if the malignant animals had resolved that the sufferers should have the benefit of this policy to the full for they had not got more than twenty miles beyond when they suddenly sickened and died thus after they had done all the mischief they could do by their living when they had made their foul maws the grave of every living thing then they died themselves and made the desolated land their own grave they took from it its hundred forms and varieties of beautiful life and left it their own fetid and poisonous carcasses in payment it was a sudden catastrophe they seemed making for the Mediterranean, as if, like other great conquerors, they had other worlds to subdue beyond it. But whether they were overgorged, or struck by some atmospheric change, or that their time was come, and they paid the debt of nature, so it was that suddenly they fell, and their glory came to naught, and all was vanity to them as to others and their stench rose up and their corruption rose up because they had done proudly the hideous swarms lay dead in the moist steaming underwoods in the green swamps in the sheltered valleys in the ditches and furrows of the fields amid the monuments of their own prowess the ruined crops and the dishonoured vineyards a poisonous element issuing from their remains mingled with the atmosphere and corrupted it THE DISMAYED PEASANT FOUND THAT A PESTILENCE HAD BEGUN, A NEW VISITATION, NOT CONFINED TO THE TERRITORY WHICH THE ENEMY HAD MADE ITS OWN, BUT EXTENDING FAR AND WIDE, AS THE ATMOSPHERE EXTENDS, IN ALL DIRECTIONS. THEIR DAILY TOIL, NO LONGER CLAIMED BY THE PRODUCE OF THE EARTH, WHICH HAS CEASED TO EXIST, IS NOW DEVOTED TO THE OBJECT OF RIDDING THEMSELVES OF THE DEADLY LEGACY WHICH THEY HAVE RECEIVED IN ITS STEAD. In vain, it is their last toil. They are digging pits, they are raising piles for their own corpses, as well as for the bodies of their enemies. Invader and victim lie in the same grave, burn in the same heap. They sicken while they work, and the pestilence spreads. A new invasion is menacing Sica in the shape of companies of peasants and slaves panic having broken the bonds of discipline with their employers and overseers nay the farmers themselves and proprietors rushing thither from famine and infection as to a place of safety the inhabitants of the city are as frightened as they and more energetic they determine to keep them at a distance the gates are closed a strict cordon is drawn however By the continued pressure, numbers contrive to make an entrance, as water into a vessel or light through the closed shutters. And anyhow, the air cannot be put into quarantine. So the pestilence has the better of it, and at last appears in the alleys and in the cellars of Sicca. End of chapter 15